Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Let's go, let's go. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Delighted you're with me. Hour number two. Best bet coming up. The best bet in the NFL is coming up in a couple of minutes. But first, I just saw this tweet. If you're interested in the NFL draft, I'd like to recommend another follow for you. If you're interested in the NFL draft and you're not following Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, then you're lying. You're not really that interested. <laughs> um, and, the, and, and there are a few other people who I have found to be very good. Daniel Jeremiah is very, good. very, very good. But we had just hired this guy, Matt Miller, who tweets at NFL Draft Scout. And he was on Get Up With Us today. He's very good. So I started following him on Twitter, and he just tweeted the following. Just in case you're wondering how solidified the number two pick in the draft this year is, today is the pro day of Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback in Provo, Utah. Okay? They're in Provo, Utah. Beautiful this time of year. I'm sure it is. But Matt Miller just tweeted, each NFL team is allowed three people at pro days. The New York Jets have their general manager, their head coach, and their offensive coordinator here today. (laughs) Was that only because you were unavailable? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They called me and they were like, Greeny, would you like to come to this? You got to see how the ball comes out of his hands. <laughs> so instead they sent Salah. You got to hear the zip. Here's the fear when it comes to Zach Wilson. Look, I, I told you this th- two months ago on this show. Zach Wilson is going to be the second pick in the draft. They're just the question is who's going to make it. And I've now become convinced it's going to be the Jets who are going to make it. But one way or another, he's going to be the pick. He's going to go ahead of Fields. He's going to go ahead of everybody else. But if you're worried about him, the thing that you're worried about, and actually Tannenbaum made a good point on TV this morning, the one thing you're there to see is to kind of see just how small he is. Like when you, is he really listed at 6'3"? Can you look that up? If he's 6'3", I'm Minute Bowl. <laughs> you watch him play. Brandon, my stage manager, Brandon, you're very good with all this stuff. Does that kid look 6'3 to you? Watch him play? You think he looks 6'2"? I don't know. He's slight. They list him at 6'3", 210. <laughs> Six, six, three, two, ten on the school website. Six, three, two, ten. I'm taking the under on both. Mm. Just looking at him, and and so that's the question. As Tannenbaum said today, if you're worried about anything, you're worried about quote, is he built to last? That's the question. A little like, Tannenbaum compared him once to Johnny Manziel physically. It sort of it sort of looks like that a little bit. Doesn't that's it? a very bad comparison. I mean, there's, there's no there are no comparisons. <laughs> That are worse than that comparison. <laughs> Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier with more than 30 coverage options available. Progressive has you covered more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long yeah, after, after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. That's right, Charles. Thank you. Here is... The, the very rare genius of Greeny that is going to help you win some money this year. So everyone's talking about Tampa Tom bringing the whole gang back together, right? They're going to have 21 out of 22 starters back. That's dangerous for the rest of the league. There's a familiar pattern going here. Brady takes less money. Everyone loves him. Ring chasers want to be there. People love the weather. Fun-loving Bruce instead of brow-beating Bill. Who wouldn't want to play for that team? That is the team that as more people become available and figure that's where everybody's going to want to go. Injury is the X factor you can never account for. But if they stay relatively healthy, they are by far the best team in football. By far. But here's the problem. There's no earthly reason to bet on them right now. None. Because right now in Vegas, they're 4-1. to one. To win the NFC. Let's just use, you have the Super Bowl odds, you put the odds up here. Give me one moment. You gave me the NFC odds. 
let, let, let's well, let's use the NFC odds for the for the purposes of this discussion. But m- maybe it'll be more interesting to do the, the the Super Bowl ones. Get me those when you can. Eight to one, the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are eight to one. So I just got through telling you, injury is the X factor in this sport. They were remarkably healthy last year. So let's just say you're going to throw a hundred bucks on something. I'm just making this up. If you're going to throw a hundred dollars on them with a chance to win eight hundred dollars, that does not feel worth it to me. Because one bad injury, I mean, I don't want to say it out loud, but Brady goes down, forget it. Shaq Barrett, they got unbelievably good players on that team. The margin in that sport is so narrow. An injury is going to ruin the seasons of three or four teams. You just don't know which ones. If it's them, I don't like eight to one odds at all. To me, the next two best teams in the NFC are the Rams and the Packers. Give me the odds on the Rams and the Packers. The Rams are 13 to 1. The Packers, 10 to 1. See, that's again, it's not enough. The Packers? They haven't been to the Super Bowl in a decade. The Rams? I love them. I love what they've done there. I love Stafford. But that doesn't feel like a real safe bet. I want a team with big odds that I could see surprising a lot of people. Again, I'm not predicting this team is going to win the Super Bowl. But what are the odds, Hembo, on the Washington football team? 60 to 1. 60 to 1. Let's say that again. You put 100 bucks on the Washington football team to win the Super Bowl, you could win 6 grand. Now we're talking. Do I expect them to win? No. If I had to bet my life on it, of course not. If I had to pick one team, of course not. But to me, that is the best bet in the sport. Because could I see it happening? Hell yes, I could. They are exceptional. Hembo, let me ask you a rhetorical question. Did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl this year because of their offense or their defense? It's a rhetorical question. Uh, okay. I don't have to answer. It, it, yeah, fair enough. It's a defense. <laughs> it's the defense. You broke my rhythm there, but okay. It's the defense. The idea that defense doesn't win championships is wrong. The Washington football team is exceptional on defense. They're not good. They're exceptional. They're going to annihilate quarterbacks next year. Nobody wants to play them. They're also in a terrible division. Terrible. Everyone lauding Dallas. I'm telling you right now, Dallas is 8-8. Eight 8-8. Eight. Eight eight. The Giants are 8-8. Eight and eight. and wa- the Washington football team is going to win 10 games at minimum. They have an easier path to winning their division than just about anybody else. The Rams certainly don't. The Packers might. Let's see. The NFC South, I want to see who the quarterback is in Carolina. There's a lot of things left to figure out. But I think Washington has the easiest path to win the division. That gets you in the dance. And I give them the best puncher's chance. I like that bet. I, I think if, you're, if you are like I am, now I to give you a little history on me. When I was growing up, My parents owned a little bookstore in New York City. My best friend Simon and I would work in that store on weekends. And we had an agreement with my dad that at the end of the day, my dad owned the store. At the end of the day, we were allowed to take $20 from the register and we would go to the track. (laughs) And Simon and I never bet on a favorite. We had $20 times multiplied by, I mean, excuse me, divided by 10 because there would be 10 races. This was either at Yonkers or at Roosevelt where we would go. We had enough to bet $2 on every race. And what we discovered was betting $2 on a horse that's going to pay 3 to 2 is not any fun. So we, all we did was pick long shots that we thought would win. And once we started winning some money, then we could start throwing something. But all we had was $2 to bet on each race. So that is sort of where my mindset was formed when it comes to this stuff. 
So I'm not interested in betting $2 on Tampa at 8-1 to one odds. I'm interested in betting $2 on the Washington football team at 60-1. to one. And I'm telling you, I really believe they have a chance. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Coming up, the best story I heard in sports this week, and it wasn't even close. Don't miss it right after this. Greeny, ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Previously on Greeny. I know I'm going to probably get criticized for saying this, this guy might be the best basketball player in the world. I mean, he might be the best player in the world. No disrespect to LeBron or Giannis or anybody. James Harden might be the best basketball player in the world, period. Thank you, Charles. Thank Anytime Charles Barkley starts with a sentence by saying, I know I'm going to get criticized for saying this, I lean forward a little bit in my chair. That's from being a talk show host for 30 years. There are few things that a talk show host likes more than a sentence that begins with those words. (laughs) (laughs) So that was awesome. It's the Weekly Rewind here, brought to you by Dell for your small business needs. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. We have the traditional who you got to finish up our week still to come here, and the green list is on the way. But I promised you... My favorite story that I heard this week by far. We'll make this an I'm sorry what? 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 So Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, is about as interesting a person as you'll ever come across because I don't know a lot of people from Harvard, but I do know some, and I would not describe any of them as either of the two things I would describe him. One, a football player, and two, goofy as hell. Like most people from Harvard are not goofy. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a goofy football player, and this story might be the best example of it I've ever heard. He was on Ross Tucker's podcast, and he told him, Ross Tucker, that he, Ryan Fitzpatrick, proposed to his wife at a McDonald's, at a McDonald's, and then he told the story. Well, it was it was a classy McDonald's because it was a McDonald's slash gas station, and it was in uh, it was in Earth City, Missouri. The, practice facility for the Rams was there. It was right across the street. It's a very long story, but the the quickest I can tell it is I bought her a ring. We had a joint bank account. We went to the Gap to get a coat, winter coat. She thought they double charged her. She said, we're going to go home. This is before you could do everything on your phone. When we get home, I'm going to check the laptop. We got to see if I got double charged. 
So I had to find a way from the gap to my house to propose to her. I said, hey, you want to go to this steakhouse? You want to go sit by the lake? No, it's November. It's cold. Let's go to McDonald's. Okay. So we sat at McDonald's. I was looking her in the eye. She's doing the sweet and sour sauce everywhere, <laughs> licking her fingers. So the, the ring slid right on. It was wonderful. It's a, a hilarious story. You can hear Ross laughing because it is just hilarious. And if you see it, because he was on the Zoom there, he literally did the licking the fingers thing, you know, with the sauce that comes with the McNuggets and whatever it is. So, so that's the story of his proposal. And I love that story. I thought it was hilarious. And I love Fitzpatrick. And it made me realize I haven't told the story of my proposal in a very long time. And I would tell it to you here because I just think it's a fun way as we sort of wrap up a fun week. So I have a few movies that I love to the point where I can and often do recite literally every line of dialogue. And for me, all of those movies are comedies. I think most of us have movies like that. For me, there are comedies that are now very dated and old. Slapshot, Caddyshack, Animal House, Blazing Saddles. And at the top of the list is the movie Arthur. Now, Arthur may be my favorite comedy and my favorite comedic performance of all time. Every line of dialogue from that movie rings perfectly true and is delivered with precisely the right amount of elocution and drunken dyslexia by Dudley Moore, who absolutely should have won an Oscar for that role, by the way. He was nominated. It was beaten out by Henry Fonda for On Golden Pond, which was a movie that was dated a week after it opened. But every scene in Arthur still holds up today. But I digress. Of all the scenes in Arthur, the best one is the one where Arthur is reluctantly proposing to Susan, the heiress, whom he does not love at all, but must marry for reasons of family politics. And sitting across the table in a fancy restaurant, swirling his scotch and slurring his words, he says, and I quote, Susan, will you marry me? Take the weekend if you want. It's pricelessly funny. To his dismay, of course, she accepts. He feigns a headache to end a dismal evening, and that's the end of the scene. Now, fast forward February 13th. It was a Thursday, 1997. My wife, not yet, and I were meeting for the weekend in Florida to get out of the cold. She was still living in Chicago where we had met and was far too smart to pick up and move with me to Bristol, Connecticut until it became clear there was no choice. So we actually lived a thousand miles apart until six months after we were married. And I spent most of my time during that commuting back and forth to Chicago to see her. But on this weekend, which is Valentine's Day weekend, we made up to meet in Florida and I made up to ask her to marry me. So I arrived first. I spent the afternoon by the pool alone with an engagement ring in a box in the pocket of my bathing suit because I wasn't, didn't feel comfortable leaving it in the hotel room. I'm not quite sure how that must have looked, but I didn't care. I was not entrusting that flimsy hotel safe with what felt like the entire rest of my life. So she arrives early in the evening. I suggest a walk along the beach. The sun sets, casting an orange glow over the ocean. The moment is perfect. I lowered onto a knee. I took the ring from my pocket, and as God is my witness, I said, will you marry me? Take the weekend if you want. I swear on the lives of everyone I've ever loved that that story is true. Now, in my defense, I had watched that scene at least a thousand times and had literally never uttered those words in any other context. She was and remains the only person I ever asked to marry me. So I'm on a knee in the sand, and I'm thoroughly embarrassed that I have so badly now mangled my proposal, and I'm feeling kind of awful until it gets much worse, because it turns out she didn't hear the part about the weekend. <laughs> she just heard, will you marry me? And so her response was, I will. 
which sent a chill down my spine because I thought she was saying she will take the weekend to make up her mind. This was depressing on many levels, not the least of which is that it was a Thursday. So in the moment, in the confusion, I'm contemplating just how horrific this long weekend is going to be, waiting for her to make up her mind. I've just offered to let her take the weekend. Then thankfully, before that got too far along in my head, I saw that her hands were shaking, and I looked up and I found out that indeed the rest of her was also shaking, and she was also crying, and she was also laughing, and somewhere in the midst of all of the shaking and the laughing and the crying, I figured out that we were getting married, and we did, seven months later, and to be safe, I did not tell her the part about Arthur until after the wedding. Not that I was concerned it would change her mind, but with these things that is my experience, you can never be too safe. That is the true story of mine. Now, which is the better wedding story? Let me, let me go to hashtag Bubba. Bubba, for those of you who may not know, is thrice divorced. So, Bubba, you know a lot about these. Who do you think has the better wedding proposal story, me or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Mm, I'm going to go with you. Yeah, that's a better I'm story, go right? With you, yeah. Yeah, you know, when I heard you... Su- the set when I heard McDonald's, I was like, "This is going to be great," but uh, I was kind of let down by it, to be honest. <laughs> That's correct. My story kind of delivers. Yeah, yours right? is good. His is sort of like the tease that never goes anywhere. Right. Coming up, the most important story in the history of sports, and then you <laughs> stay through the commercial, and then I got nothing. That's kind of what his story is. My story is a lot better. So, in that regard, I, I, I consider myself in this in this in this regard only. I consider myself better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yep. There you go. All right, Bubba, well done. Uh, we will come back. We'll do the traditional who you got to finish up the week. Plus, uh, the t- green list today is about the five most important and best games in the history of the NCAA tournament. Those are both coming up next. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like For the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. My name is Greeny, and I'm coming to you live, as always, from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Our show is presented by Progressive Insurance. Our guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline, and we have big news. See, this thing doesn't work sometimes. I'm hitting. We have. And then it fires. It's very frustrating. 
Every now and again, that thing just freezes up. Let me start that all over again. My name is Greeny. We're on ESPN Radio, and we have big news. How much better that is? Zach Wilson's measurements are in. It's his pro day. He's 6'2", 214, and he has nine and a half inch hands. As a Jets fan, how does that make you feel? It's a good size hand. It's a good size hand. Right? Nine and a half inch good hands. hands. Above those average. Serious hands. Mm. Give, give, give us a sense of those measurements. What do they equate to? Who would be, who would be comparable on a nine and a half inch hand? So, uh, a, a similar uh, breakdown would be like Mitchell Trubisky. Andy, no, no, don't, don't, don't give I'm me Mitchell just Trubisky. Just giving you the measurables, okay? It's Mitchell Trubisky, Andy Dalton. And wait, Lamar. wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to make everyone in Chicago drive into a brick wall? You're giving me Mitchell Trubisky this and is not Andy their, Dalton? This is not his, his comp for play. This I is asked merely... you for a comp, and you, you, I, the, the verbatim. I said, who is this comparable to? And you said Mitch Trubisky and Andy Dalton. That is correct. That is who he physically measures to according to his height, weight, and hand span. Well, that sucks. I mean, that's <laughs> what, what, do you, what kind of thing is that to say to me? I, the, the, I, was, are you saying they should stay away from him? What are you saying? No, I'm saying that's just how if big If Andy he is. Dalton had been drafted with the second pick in the draft, people would not have been happy. Mitchell Trubisky was picked with and, the second pick in the draft. And if he had a draft. bigger hand, he probably would be better. How big is his hand? About nine and a half inches. Well, this guy's hand is nine and a half inches. Right. So you're telling me not to take him. You <laughs> just said it was a big hand. It's a, it's a big hand. It's not your sole data point. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So 6'2", He doesn't look 6'2", or 214 to no. me. And I've never shaken hands with him. So and you don't, I've never and you don't believe Kyler Murray's six foot tall either. You don't believe any of this stuff anyway, dude. Kyler Murray is not six feet tall. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> if Kyler, I'm telling you they fudge these things. Kyler Murray is not six feet tall. He's just not. <laughs> Kyler, what, does, what do they list Russell Wilson at? I can prove this. Russell Wilson, there is a picture in my house. Stacey, well, she's not home right now. If anyone is in my house, <laughs> tweet the picture that is in the hallway of me standing back-to-back -back with Russell Wilson from the Super Bowl that year. I am taller than he is. How tall is Russell Wilson? He is listed on the Seahawks website as 5'11". 5'11". Okay, well, that's legit. That's he, accurate. I'm 5'11 and three that? quarters. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think I'm a little more taller than him than that, but, but it seems about right. You're too tall to be using to be using and three quarters. Like if you ask someone how old they are, you're not 25 and a half years old. No, but the you're reason, 25. The reason I do that is because I don't like being called 5'11". I'm closer to six foot than I am the 5'11". You're, you're, you're six foot in cleats. I mean, I'm six foot in heels. Uh, which I'm very, you know, which, which is good. And, and that's my usual attire. So actually six, three in heels, but that's a whole different question. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't even know where I'm going here. The point of it is Zach Wilson is bigger than I thought. And he's going to be the second pick in the draft and the jets are going to take him. And if you remind me of Mitchell Trubisky one more time with this second pick, I'm telling you, you're mm. going to lose the hashtag from Hembo. That is what's going to happen here. That's a punishment that we have generally reserved only for Devin. Should we go through the other number two picks that were quarterbacks of, of recent vintage? Go Justin ahead. Uso? Yes. Trubisky. Carson yeah. Wentz. Oh, Christ. Marcus Mariota. Well, why are you doing this? And RG3. Those are the last four <laughs> quarterbacks so, drafted number you're two You're telling overall. me this is a catastrophe waiting to happen. I mean, I think best case scenario is something like Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> based right. on the history and based on the size of his nine I'm and a half inch moving on hand. from you and this discussion. I have more breaking news, which I think is remarkable. Leonard Fournette is re-signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what that means is that of the 22 players who started on offense and defense for them in the Super Bowl, all 22 of them are coming back. All 22 are coming back. That is, is that unprecedented? 
I mean, even back in the days when there was no free agency and all that, that can't have happened often. I can go back about 25 years for that, but you're going to have to give me All right, you're going to look that up. Hembo Mm. will get us that information. That is really remarkable. So they're bringing everybody back. Zach Wilson is 6'2", and and figures to be the next Mitch Trubisky. That's where we stand right now as far as everything is concerned. Time now for the green list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. Okay, so today's green list, again, my top five, this, that, or the other, is voted on exclusively by me, the world's foremost expert on all matters. With the NCAA tournament, uh, the men's uh, tournament resuming tomorrow with the Sweet 16, today's are the top five biggest games in the tournament's history, the most important games, not the best games, but the most meaningful games in the tournament's history. Number five. Five, I put the 16 beating the one, 2018. UMBC beating Virginia 74-54. They won by 20 points as a 20-point underdog. They had, UMBC earlier that year, had lost 83-39 to to Albany. UVA had lost two games that year by a total of eight points. And yet here they are, in the 16 beating the one for the first time. And as I said earlier, once something has happened, you can never again say it's never happened. I think that belongs on this list of the five biggest games in the tournament's history. Number four. Four is NC State beating UCLA in double overtime in the Final Four in 1974. You're not, you don't remember this game, but I'm going to tell you why it's so important. UCLA had won seven straight national championships. This snapped that. They had won 39 consecutive tournament games going back to 1963. Bear in mind, this was 1974 which stands now as the only season in John Wooden's final nine years that his team was not the champion at the end. NC State, 74, beating UCLA in double OT. Number three. Three is Villanova pitching the perfect game to beat Ewing in Georgetown. If you remember that team, that Hoya Paranoia, Ewing, John Thompson, Michael Graham, that team was so good, so dominant. I would have bet you anything I had. I was only in high school, so I had nothing. But I would have bet you whatever I had. That, you, that Georgetown was going to win the championship that year, and they didn't because Villanova shot 79% from the floor in the championship game. That is the Don Larson of college basketball. It is the perfect game. Villanova knocking off Georgetown in stunning fashion to win the 85 champion. As we continue here, uh, we go on. It's Greeny with the green list. Number two. Number two on the list of the top five most important championship games or NCAA tournament games is the Larry Bird Magic Johnson game. The 79 championship game, Michigan State 75, Indiana State 64, Magic versus Larry for the first time. Obviously, they would go on to revolutionize the NBA as we knew it. But they met for the championship that year in what remains the most watched college basketball game ever. Over 35 million people watched that game. Magic outplayed Bird. Michigan State knocked off Indiana State, which had been unbeaten going into that. And March Madness, as we knew it, was never the same. In fact, it hadn't been March Madness until that day. They turned March Madness into March Madness. And so that's number two. Number one. The number one has to be the 66 championship game and Texas Western beating Kentucky. Texas Western became the first team to win the championship, starting five black players. And they beat Adolph Rupp and number one Kentucky That Kentucky team had Pat Riley on it, by the way. But if you know the history of Adolph Rupp, you know why there is particular significance to Texas Western beating them to win the championship. And as I said before, until something has been done, you can always say it's never happened. 
From that day forward, you could never say it had never happened and change the sport forever in so many ways and all of them for the better. And so that is number one on today's green list of the top five biggest games in NCAA tournament history. Nuno, were you trying to tell me something? I couldn't tell. I could tell you. No, I hit the wrong button. My bad. Okay, fair enough. No problem. All right. We have one piece of business left to do for this week. It is a Friday tradition. We finish it up with who you got. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right. I'll say it. Who you got? All right, and so for who you got, as always, we bring in our disheveled board operator, hashtag Bubba, who, as we have learned today, uh, was thrice divorced mm. and has written several books on the subject of radio production. Uh, those are the credentials that uh, Bubba brings to this conversation. Hello again, Bubba. Yo, yo. <laughs> okay, so the way, we <laughs> the way who you got works is that he will lay out a variety of scenarios, and I will tell him who... <laughs> Who I've got. Go ahead, Bubba. What, what is our first one? <laughs> the, the NBA trade deadline winner. Who you got? Uh, for the biggest winner of the NBA trade deadline? The NBA trade deadline winner. Who you got? Well, I, I, can I clarify? Are you asking for an individual or for a team? The NBA trade deadline winner. Who you got? <laughs> I will say then the Denver Nuggets. I open the show by saying the following. If you were to remove the jerseys from the Denver Nuggets and replace them with Lakers jerseys, all anyone would be saying is they're going to win the Western Conference. They're the team to beat, particularly with the addition of Aaron Gordon yesterday. But even if they hadn't added anybody, I believe that we would be saying that. Nikola Jokic is the leading candidate for MVP of the league. He's the most underappreciated and underrecognized extraordinary player that we have in American sports today. And again, to me, the Nuggets, with that acquisition, solidify themselves as the biggest threat in the Western Conference to what the Lakers would be if they are fully healthy. Now, the Clippers acquiring Rondo is big. Utah, obviously, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Give Chris Paul his respect in Phoenix. But I believe that if the Lakers get into the playoffs healthy, it will be the Lakers who win the West. If it isn't, I believe it will be the Nuggets. So I will give them, Bubba, the mantle of being the biggest winner. The What's NBA next? trade deadline loser. Who you got? <laughs> uh, would it be the Sixers? Did we all think the Sixers were going to get Kyle Lowry and didn't? That was the hope. That was the expectation in Philly, and what they netted out was George Hill. Uh, which, is not, which is not the same as getting Kyle Lowry. Like, that's an arms race in the East there. You know, Miami got a lot better yesterday. Milwaukee is ridiculously good. The Nets are, are operating on a whole other level. I hadn't really thought about the biggest losers. Who else would be in this discussion so I can make sure I'm not forgetting anybody obvious? Well, what's peculiar about Philadelphia is that Daryl Morey typically has been the most active GM at the trade deadline. Right. So that's what surprised all of us in Philadelphia. Somehow he didn't get Lowry. And when I asked Zach Lowe about it earlier on TV, he said he thinks that the most surprised person of anybody that Kyle Lowry didn't get traded is Kyle Lowry. Um, so I will say them. For lack of a better idea, I will say the Sixers. It's uh, who you got with hashtag Bubba on ESPN Radio. Bubba, what's next? Celtics, I believe, could be another uh, another team. Celtics, yes. Okay, fair enough. That's good. She could have given me that one earlier as I sat here pondering. But what you chose to do, and many people don't know this, but Bubba is also an, an, um, an expert and has written several, uh, several treatises on the concept of negotiation and debate. And so you, what you did was you waited until after I had finished my answer and then threw in right. the correct answer that would have 
uh, won the argument. So that's very well played by you, Bubba. Absolutely. To the NFL, Mike McCarthy spoke yesterday for the first time since the season ended. He's officially got his quarterback signed now, so who has more pressure on him this season, Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott? Who you got? I, I think that's an easy one, and I think it's McCarthy. Now, the reason that Dan Graziano disagreed with me on that on TV this morning is he said that he thinks – Jerry Jones has enough ego invested in the hiring of Mike McCarthy that almost no matter what, McCarthy would not get fired at the end of the season. If it's a complete disaster, then in theory, all bets are off. But that Jerry Jones, for all of his reputation, has been very Unsteinbrennerian, or whatever the word I was looking for there is, in his hiring and firing of coaches. In fact, he gives guys, we all saw, he kept Jason Garrett a lot longer than most people thought he would. But, look, Dak's got a four-year contract. I I think the pressure is off him. That's a guy who's been playing for his career, for his salary, for his future, every snap that he's played in his career. So, yes, there is external pressure on him to succeed now because he got the big money. But I have to believe internally there's also an element of pressure that has been removed for him. He got his – whatever else happens, he got his money. (laughs) So that's got to be a relief. So I will say, Bubba – the answer is Mike McCarthy. What's next? All right. The other day we had Charles Barkley on, and uh, and he first he said this. Charles, can you hear me now? <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> so in addition to that, he also said that uh, James Harden might be the best basketball player in the world. Do you agree? Who you got? Okay. <laughs> that makes me laugh again. We need to explain to everybody how that happened. Because in the moment, it clearly didn't make sense. If I should ever say to someone... Or if you should ever say to someone, can you hear me? And they respond, no, I cannot. You're going to be confused. But as it turns out, our television director, as he absolutely should have been in that moment, because we had lost our signal with Charles, was saying to Charles, can you hear Greeny? So he was responding, I cannot, to that (laughs) instead of to me. But as a result, the result was unbelievable. Play it one more time, Bubba. Charles, can you hear me now? I cannot. That's so funny. I cannot. (laughs) But anyway, the answer to the other question, or the only one you ask me, which is, is, did you ask me if I think James Harden is the best player in the world? Sure did. No, he's not the best player in the world. The way I would describe the best player in the world is, if you told me right now I could pick any one player on my team to win a championship with, he would not be my answer short term or long. So he he may be able to do things no other player can do. And he may be the most, at times, spectacular player in the NBA. But, but the only way, in, in a league where we have made rings everything, everything, the only thing that matters is the championship, then there's no way in the world I would say he's the best player in the world. Because if you told me I was going to try and win a, a title this year, I, off the top of my head, I could pick four or five people I would pick ahead of him. LeBron in the blink of an eye and others. I would take Kevin Durant from his own team ahead of him. And, and Kawhi Leonard, there are others I would take. And then if I were starting a team with the intention of winning a championship someday, how old is Harden right now, Hembo? Look that up for me if you would. But certainly I would take Luka Doncic ahead of him. I would take um, – would I take Giannis ahead of him? How old is Harden? He's younger than you think he is. His beard makes him look older. I should be able to find this a lot faster. Yeah, how He's old 31. He's 31. He's 31. But still in the sm- smack dab in his prime. I still would say no. I mean, the answer, if, it, it's a direct question. The answer is no. I do not agree um, because that, that, and that's my reasoning. My reasoning is the best player in the world is the player that you would take on your team first. If you're choosing up sides, 
and say, I am picking that guy to win a championship. He would not be my first pick. Uh, this is ESPN Radio. Bubba's got the next question. Bubba, go. All right, now to the important stuff. 21 years ago yesterday, NSYNC set a world record selling 1 million tickets in one day Wow, for their upcoming tour. So that leads to the age-old question. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, who you got? Okay, so here's the my, my answer to that. Now, I know uh, NSYNC, obviously, I, Joey Fatone was on a show I hosted once, and obviously Justin Timberlake is very famous. But this is an example of my age and your age being very different ages. I did not care at all about the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC <laughs> because I was an adult when both of them happened. I know that that was a huge rivalry at the time, but that would not constitute the boy bands of my youth. I am much more familiar with NSYNC than I am with the Backstreet Boys, so my answer will be NSYNC. But my honest answer is, I really don't care one way or the other. What is the right answer to this question, Bubba? Backstreet Boys. Okay, fair enough. So you would go Backstreet Boys. True or false? You answered that just because I had said the opposite. If I had said Backstreet Boys, true or false, you no, would have said in no. sync. I'm, I'm, I go Backstreet Boys. Okay, I'm fair enough. Backstreet Bubba Boys. played in the Backstreet Boys. What, uh, uh, many people don't know this. Bubba actually was instrumental in putting the, them together. Right. Yeah. Um, and he was actually considered for the Joey Fatone role in in sync. <laughs> um, all kidding aside, what is a Backstreet Boys song? I know some in sync song is Bye Bye Bye. What is a what is the most famous uh, Backstreet like, Boys song? Uh, you know, quit playing games with my heart. I want it and, that uh, way. Is their famous? I want it. Yeah, I want I it that way. way. Yeah. That's that's Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Okay, see if Tell you had played that song and said who sings this, I would have said in sync. So that's how little I know about oh, the discrepancy, no. the comparison. The are you kidding? No. Who would win in a fight? That doesn't agree. Let me ask you a question, mm. Bubba. Who wins a fight if the members of the Backstreet Boys fought in a, in a battle royale? With the in sync, it's not. It wouldn't really be a battle royale because that means only one person is left standing. <laughs> what What is the one where you just tap in the next person and they fight? Whatever that is, who wins that? Who wins a fight? Backstreet Boys or in sync? That's what my brother and I would do all the time. We would play that game all the time about anything, any bands, TV shows. Brady Bunch of the Partridge Family. Who wins a fight right now? <laughs> we would um, fight that all the time. Brady Bunch had a dad, but Partridge Family had uh, had um, had had uh, Ruben. The manager. So we would have that fight all the time. I'm taking uh, New Kids on the Block for the win. Okay. New Kids on the Block. See, that's a whole other one. You just, you just, of, you just yeah. put a whole new band into the whole thing. Right? So you're confusing yeah, me. He's such all a right, please tell me you have a better question than that. All right. On this day, 44 years ago, Hall & Oates started their run atop the charts for Rich Girl. Hall & Oates have sold around 40 million records, I guess, making them the third best-selling duo of all time, supposedly. So who you got as your favorite music duo? <laughs> what do you mean, supposedly? I don't did know. you just make that I up? The re- as I did more research, some said they're number one, said something. I don't know. I, I well, gave who, who are the two ahead of them? Uh, they might even be number one for all I know. The Is one, one of them Simon and Garfunkel? Because that's the right answer to the question. Yeah, they're around there, yeah. Okay, I, I, that would be my answer. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good guys. <laughs> Bubba did his research with precision. My answer... There's some, my, there are some country artists in there, you know. Okay, uh, my answer would be Simon and Garfunkel. And that is who you got with hashtag Bubba. Extremely well done today. I like Hall & Oates very much. Their, their, their oh, yeah. earlier stuff was better than their latest. They became very... They became a little poppy as time went on, but they poppy? were a little more soul. It was more pop than it was soul. But the early stuff, the Rich Girl and She's Gone, that was good stuff. All right, this has been a fun week. Thanks, everybody, for the laughs. I appreciate you being along for the ride. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back on Monday. ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.